0: Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And a question that always crosses my mind, I think maybe yours too, are ICOs all BS? Well, on this episode, we have Peter Woodard of IBC Group. He's an ICO consultant, and we ask him that very question, and he gets down to all different aspects of an ICO, from starting, to marketing, to profiling, to token sales, and beyond, very interesting conversation coming up. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you after the show.
1: Don't All
0: right, Pete. Very nice to meet you, and thank you for coming on the show, Matthew. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, just to get started, you know, just if you, if you could just tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. We go from there. Sure, sure. Yeah,
2: so um, I'm along with a couple others, a, a co-founder of IBC Group. Um, I originally started out in in Canada, so in Toronto, uh, migrated over to London for about five or six years, and now some so time between San Francisco and Mexico City. Uh, so jumping around quite a bit. Uh, my my background's a bit mixed, so education-wise it's been a bit of engineering, a bit of business. Um, I started off in the, the ad tech space um, in London, so I, I helped uh, scale a Google-backed venture in the ad tech space and then went into fintech, um, been there for five, six years, and now as a lot of people have sort of migrated into, into, into blockchain from fintech. So can you
0: tell us a little bit about what is fintech and IBC Group?
2: Sure. So fintech is just financial technology. So um, there was probably a wave about call it four years ago. Um, it, it's still going on and it's still very strong. Sort of fintech has been around for, for quite a long time, I'd say. But it, it was coined maybe four or five years ago. And it, it just happened to be that, that London was a really good center for fintech. And I think a lot of the, the same centers – you see in fintech are, are the ones that are, are currently in, in crypto and blockchain. So you have London, which is one you have um, Singapore, Hong Kong, um, Asia as well. And then you have um, obviously the the U.S. In terms of like the like the fintech centers, I think you'll see something very similar in, in the blockchain space. And they're all all of them have been regulated differently. And there's all the way regulators have essentially approached fintech is also the way I probably see them approaching um, you know possibly in blockchain as well where you have like the, the FCA approach in, in the UK where it's um, creating sort of regulatory sandboxes and um, allowing sort of the market to mature around the regulation um, where the the SEC historically has sort of put a thumb out on things and try to draft a regulation around sort of their interpretation of, of best practices which is um, not necessarily exactly the way we're seeing in, in crypto now but there is a definite flavor of, of what I saw in fintech so like fintech that that wave you know I think when I was in London there was a lot going on there and lots of innovation and a really collaborative uh, effort and community and and then that's very much I think where where crypto is now and we, we took a lot of that sediment from from the fintech phase into kind of what IBC is is doing now so from from our side we were focusing on sort of two streams one is the the, the ICO market and the other is the enterprise blockchain side and obviously the the the, the ICO market currently is quite interesting like you know 400 ICOs launched uh, last week as of I think it was like you know the, Police, the week yeah. of the, the ninth that we're, we're talking now and what was it 95% of ICOs were, were funded in July of this year where 35% of ICOs were funded in October of this year mm. so there's a, a huge huge shift which I think is sort of has to happen. Um, and the sort of, as they all say, like the, the FOMO that was in July has sort of changed slightly and, and they're a bit more apprehensive. And that's on both sides of the market, I think. There's still like called the the retail side, the normal investor, which there's still a lot of volume behind, but the called the accredited investors, high net worth, family offices, institutions, they're a bit more cautious, I think, than they were probably earlier on in the year.
0: Um- I got to bring you back and I got I, because this is Crypto 101 and you're dropping a lot of words that we're assuming everybody knows. But what is fintech or 101? What is fintech?
2: Sure. Well, fintech is just financial technology. Okay. Um, it's anything to do with digitizing financial services. Okay. Um, it, and they kind of broke it off from there. You might have heard the word like insure tech. Uh, prop tech which is property technology um, but fintech is, is a lot of different areas so you, could, you could call someone like stripe like a payment processor that could be fintech mm-hmm. um, you could call like an online loan management system fintech right. so it's very much all encompassing and it's still like, I think blockchain sort of um, eclipses it in terms of uh, popularity um, or you know the the, the interest around it, but it's still very much a lot what big institutions are doing. They're trying to digitize and get everything off of a paper-based format and move it into a, a digital format.
0: So IBC Consulting is just a consulting group, and you guys are now consulting ICOs as well. What is it like to consult an ICO and the, some of the issues that are is coming around with that.
2: Um, it's a it's, it's a mix. It depends where they're where they're coming from. Really, it can be everything from trying to figure out like a, like a validation process in in their business exactly how they should ex- execute an ICO. So it's a bit easier if they're coming from like a new product point of view. Uh, that that's a bit easier to sort of wrap it around it if they are like an existing company and looking at uh, potential ICO it depends what they want to get out of it so if they want to um, let's say raise funds directly for the company then that's one thing that's mostly going to be probably a security because there's people investing in their company or their ICO to get something out of it um, but they all, companies are also looking at how they can support their their ecosystem or their their industry. Um, And and those those cases are really interesting because you can get very creative around both how they they can profit or they can grow as a company, uh, but also when they're looking at the industry, what's lacking. So um we're working with a company that's looking at how can they make supply chain management better. So essentially they they could you know own the the protocol underneath the system, but it would support the industry as a as a whole. So it really depends where they're coming from. And you see a lot of different cases, some people with, with great ideas, but it's always about if they can execute or not. I think it's always a, a right. practical question for the industry that it can be a very, very elaborate idea, but it can often be bringing them back down to earth. That, like, um, like, yes, it's a great idea to have a, a payment system that st- sidesteps AML KYC or sidesteps uh, you know, Visa MasterCard, but is that legal? Like are you are you going to go to jail so, uh, it can be it's a real mix depending on where the, the client's coming from
0: i guess the obvious question after that is how many icos are bullshit
2: um well you probably group them it depends what you mean by bullshit so there, there's lots of really crazy <laughs> i mean i mean that-
0: scammy bullshit i mean the yeah. number that's flying around the internet right now is 95 percent of icos are scams this is just, yeah. you know, the Reddit the Reddit talk.
2: Yeah, well, agree? scams, well, not necessarily cuz a scam would mean that they're they're operating under false pretense, right? Um, they, they, you may look back on and go, well, this this company was a scam. But maybe they had the best intention at, at heart. But the, they were too early. They, they were pioneers and they kind of were too early for the market. Mm-hmm. They couldn't execute. Um, you could even say, like for example, with what's going on with Tezos, which you say they're a scam because they haven't hit their milestones. They, they could have had the the, the best intentions, but because they. I think in the in the the, the legal papers they they've missed an, obviously a number of milestones and people could call them them a scam but uh, I obviously don't know what's happening internally but the ones the ones we come across I haven't come across many that are clear scams like I've come across ones who say that they want to basically replicate Bitconnect and I think Bitconnect has this air of a of a Ponzi scheme mm-hmm. but that that's very few and far between there's people that have great ideas and. You know, even if they're given 20, 30 million through an ICO, um, I don't know if they'd be able to execute their idea. And that could be because of them or the market. So I I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think we'll see, you know, next year um, a lot of that thrown around in in the news because people won't be able to execute their idea. But um, being like a, a true scam, like a Ponzi scheme or similar, I don't think so.
0: So then you have faith in the ICO kind of service the 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 idea of ICO or do you think that it should be more IPO regulated where they have to jump through a lot more hoops and go over hurdles to get this money
2: I don't I don't think so I think um, like if you look at sort of crowdfunding let's say where you know there's there's laws for accredited investors and laws for retail investors and I'm sure and the the reason the regulations are there to to supposedly protect the investor, um, and I think a lot of retail people are, are are much more savvy than than the regulators think they are. They sort of group into one group or the other. And you know, if you just because you don't make over, let's say in the U.S. like two hundred k a year or have X amount in that in assets, then you know there's a lot of people in crypto which has allowed them to to get into investing in technology. And see we saw a massive growth, and the growth hasn't been from the institutional side it's been from normal people like you and i that have gone to invest in, into crypto so there has to be some level of regulation involved right um, but to put like the same regulation that we've seen with securities or fintech then i think that like fintech is a great example because i think the regulation there essentially stifled growth in a lot of different countries where with so? IC- um, well you most of like take the U.S. for example. A lot of the the laws pertaining to retail investors took a long time to draft, and when they draft them, there was state regulation and federal regulation, so it was a bit unclear which one you fell under. Um, and I think they're about a year or 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 over late to, to draft these regulations, so it didn't allow I guess the equity and debt crowdfunding side to really. Scale as it as it could have where obviously with the the ICO space. It's it just went absolutely crazy right. um, And they're just trying to, to, to pull it back But I think of course what we'll see with these ICOs is I uh, hope people don't lose You know the life savings hope they were sort of putting in what, what they know they could they could have lost I'm sure there'll be people that have, have lost a lot of money, but I think overall It's allowed to sort of go crazy and then each country is sort of trying to reel back in um uh, and find the best practice for for everyone.
0: I guess when you say crowdfunding and I guess here's the problem I have with it. When you put something up on a Kickstarter, you're looking for $100,000 or $10,000 and you're making a a thermos that doesn't spill when you knock it off your table or something, you know. But okay. an ICO is looking for millions of dollars and they're promising huge developments in technology that doesn't honestly exist right now mm. and they're collecting, like, like I said, a lot of money. Is there a limit? Is there a, a tipping point in in amount of funds or amount of promises where it's not crowdfunding anymore?
2: Um, that's a good question. I, I, I can't give you the exact example of which product it was, but there was a product, I think it was a drone, wasn't it, with Kickstarter that raised millions of dollars that, that never actually shipped, mm. which is, it actually sounds like it's sort of like the same as a, an ICO which raised millions of dollars and never, never produced the product. But the thing is, I guess, with ico's is one thing is you have a product and after the product's complete they also have to bring on paying customers into their into their products so that's that's a whole other i guess whole other thing that we'll see I imagine in in time to come. So we've, I think what we see now is that the ICOs they they understand because that figure of 35% in October they're now looking at going well. But I don't think we can raise you know and then they they know they can't raise 10 so let's call it 10 15 million off the back of a white paper and a team. So most now are moving towards a model where they have an MVP. Obviously, MVPs can be anything. They could be a clickable prototype. The more reputable ICOs they listen. We know that we we can't. Go off the back of a white paper. We're developers. We're going to basically do an alpha, and we're going to put it into the market. And ideally, these people have—I don't want to say customers, but users—before they uh, for they enter the ICO space. And that's—I think that's going to become more more the norm. So you have, I would call it the of the VC world, but you have sort of more of the traditional startup investment space coming into into the ICO world.
0: Trying to seg segue into another portion of the ICO and I know I'm beating up the ICO right now because it's just something that's on everybody's mind. I, I never had an opportunity to talk to a consultant that deals with this. So I think this is very interesting. And I think that the listeners always want to know. Like a lot of people are trying to get involved with these ico or pre you know pre-token sales or token sales or what have you and they're all like on the fence and i really like what you said when you said that everybody comes in with good intentions but can they deliver and there's not really one there's not really a, and an individual that is saying hey i'm gonna do an ico because i want to get rich and then go to cancun yeah. but you know with, with that i'm just wondering what's your opinion on the blockchain space with the lack of regulation and ico's how is that affecting the blockchain space the cryptocurrency space and the markets right now
2: so i think we're seeing a lot of different changes in in, in regulation i i hope personally that they they don't regulate it too much where you go the route of what we just spoke about where you have to be an accredited investor or or the, the or the rules are very complex um but I, I do see a need for for regulation and it, it could be a lot of different things so like the need for um, like AML KYC practices just to make PML-KYC. sure KYC what is what is that? It's anti-money laundering and know your customer checks Okay, so like you might saw this through as a coin list or SAF launch where they, they operate in the, in the US um, and they they ensure they know the source of the funds um, And you know that, that that sort of regulation I think is is fine like it, it has it is slowing down things like onboarding of, of investors into ICOs. It's just, it's a lot of, there's some people out there, um, like Identity Mind is one company, I contacted before and they're doing, they, they, that's what they do, identity checks for for um, investment-type platforms. And like, like, that's fine. I think that we, we don't want, um, you know, dirty money coming into the space. Um, we want to make sure that it's all kind of above board and, and clean money. But in terms of what's happening in regulation it it just has i think it has to happen um i think every jurisdiction will take their own approach to it um i just really hope and and we're talking more of the ico space because i think enterprise blockchain won't have this problem because they'll go through sort of i think traditional vc routes rather than an ico i I personally Um, but for the ico space i do hope because you'll see you they could put a massive halt to it if they say well listen um, there can be no ICOs are illegal tomorrow, then I'll just sort of stifle innovation. Because I'm sure, you know, yes, a, a lot of these ICOs will fail, but maybe one, one, one thing to think about is what sort of technology will come out of all, all of those failures. Like there could be a lot of really good technology that then gets passed on and, 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 and reused in the market.
0: Do you think that these recent forks with Bitcoin are necessary? Or do you think that it's a money grab?
2: I don't. I don't really follow it to be honest. Like, okay, I, I fair I, enough. enough. Like, for example, like with with the forks, it, it definitely affects like the the altcoin market, which direct, directly affects the the ICO market. Like we saw when when Segwit 2x was was called off. Um, I, I well, remember the team pinged me about it, and I, I obviously did <laughs> a right grab for Blockfolio to see how much the alts have pumped. Um, so like, the the marketplace there is. Know, why people are taking money from their 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 alts putting the bitcoin and getting the fork and putting it back in so right. it, apart from that like it it does for icos it does um affect maybe when you're going to launch the icos because if all the money is in bitcoin and they're waiting for a fork then less attention will be on the icos and then basically you know, less ether or less crypto flying around um but that's sort of the only only consideration like i i was really big into into trading call it for, for the golden months where it's sort of like August, September, which, you know, you couldn't you couldn't essentially lose. But right. it's, <laughs> it, it's it's an all-consuming hobby or job and it's something that's um, fun to do for a bit and, you know, it's just right. not conducive to trying to get work done.
0: I think most of the listeners right now are going to sympathize with that and know how much time it is. Actually, a couple of the listeners have expressed – to me, how they had to back away from trading because of anxiety.
2: Yeah, well, all, all you do is basically watch the front page of Bittrex all day in charts, um, <laughs> and you know, like we're, we're trading in, in all markets. If, if you have the information first, first, then then, then you're in. But like I, I think I said, all of August, I was just glued to my screen, and I kind of came up the tail in August, going, I, I can't do this anymore. I have to put all it, put it, put it my wallet and just you know maybe check my. My, uh was a block folio every, uh, every like, once a day and then just leave it.
3: You have one unheard message.
1: Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand. And even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at Current.Tech. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
2: but actively trading no I, I'm, I'm sure your listeners they, they know that they've all gone through it and i think it just it was it was hilarious seeing the crypto traders that came out of like august and and september which like i said like if you if you invested any money into any protocol that looked good like neo or omg or pay or I'm sorry yeah, 10x and, and so on right. you, you basically you couldn't lose you're, you're getting like 90 percent gains. <laughs> so, right.
0: just talking about your trading in your market since we're since we're on the subject. What was your biggest win or biggest loss in, in terms of trading?
2: Yeah. Um, so I I saw the original news of OMG about the the McDonald's partnership. So I, I saw. I think I picked it up around like a dollar ten. I think it was. Um, so. I just I took a punt on it um, and it, it went quite well. And same as Neo, so I I, I bought Neo just after the the Ant shares rebranding. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, once again, you couldn't really lose. Um, I haven't had any. I don't have tons vested in the market. Um, just sort of money that I knew I could lose, and it, it's gone. You know, rel- relatively well. What's my probably, probably the one that still gets me t- to this day is the, the stupid trade on Adex. So I I saw Adex at about a, a dollar. A dollar twenty, a dollar thirty, I think it was, and I was like, "Oh well, wow, it's gonna, it's gonna keep going up." And I, I bought it without, with well, too too much research into it, and then shortly after, it just basically completely ate shit from there. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm still holding it, going. It got almost to almost to no to no loss about a month ago, and I, and I got greedy again and said now I'll keep it. And here, <laughs> we're we're still down twenty five percent, and it's been you know three or four two three months or something. So like no like no major losses. Like I, I doubled down a bit of neo, and I thought it was going to keep going up, and then the, the basically when the Chinese regulation came in, uh, what was it neo adex quantum. Uh, they all just like completely dropped. I'm still yeah. just holding them. To, I'm holding them. To, I'm gonna wait it out and see if, if they go back up. And great. If not, then it's been a fun ride.
0: Yeah, you actually probably have the same same portfolio that I was having at that time. And I was, I, but I I bailed. I got into Neo when it was and shares. So I went up mm-hmm. to fifty four on it, and then I bailed out at eighteen bucks after yeah. the China news.
2: <laughs> i'm just looking at it now it's around 30 something isn't it yeah uh, yeah 30 32 it actually the one that, that got me that got me was nav I was i was looking at nav coin when it was i don't know like 20 or 30 cents and since yeah. then it's gone like hundred something percent and then down again and up again you, you could have really done well and, and it, it looked like a solid coin i just wasn't I, I was sick of i was sick of watching the market so i just i just let it ride everything else and I've watched it go up way too much since then. My,
0: my brother found uh, Navcoin for us, and we actually hopped in at, at the 20 cents, and he did it really well on Nav, and now we're all we're all invested in Nav still. So nice. Nav was a good one. <laughs>
3: For the listeners,
0: I paused it and then we had a conversation and then we started the recording again. But he mentioned that there are different investors getting into the game because of different ICOs
2: and because of different things that are happening in the market. Can you explain about that? A bit of insight into the ICO processes, like you, like Filecoin is a is a great example of exactly what happened. Where most ICOs, when they have the pre-ICO, will already be shopping around their their ICO to high net worth, to family offices, to institutions, um, trying to get a big allocation from a small number of investors. Um, the 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 best way to sort of format these is if. Like the ICO can have a large amount of the allocation already already soaked up pre ICO. Then obviously, when when the full ICO goes, there's only a smaller amount to to get to the, the hard cap essentially. But that, that's an, an ideal scenario. Um, like the, the market has changed a bit um, in the sense that a lot of a lot of I- ICOs now are struggling to get their high net worth or institutional money. This is because of a lot of different things. Um, one is like on on the, the spectrum of traditional investing, Bitcoin is extremely risky, and ICOs are just off the chart. So uh, there, there's so much money trying to get in, but they're trying to get in in the least risky way possible, which is why you've seen so many you know crypto hedge funds or crypto funds pop up because. It's a bit easier to get in, to get some skin into the game, or sort of a, an intro into crypto by doing that, where somebody will manage the money, or maybe have 60% of the fund in something more stable like Bitcoin or, or similar. For for an ICO, if they can show you, okay, after the ICO, this is our roadmap, and this is also a roadmap to our to our customers, and the up paying customers, and that that's a bit an easier sell to 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 these high net worth individuals or on the higher end of the market um if it's very speculative i'm sure if you had like the best team behind it um with the the best institutions then yes like they'll, they'll still invest into it but i think it's becoming harder and harder to get that pre-allocation of money on once again if it's a very abstract idea then it's a bit harder to to explain to traditional investors that are true they're used to stock markets used to bonds they used to you know people managing their money for them and a very a very like practical point on this is if you went to um let's say your money manager tomorrow and said um hey buy me you know half million dollars worth of bitcoin then they could probably do that but then also the question is how do they store that bitcoin so are they going to have it in like a tesla's wallets uh, or treasure wallet sorry in in their desk in their in their office or what what are they going to do with it so there's there's lots of you know there's lots of Things I don't think people think about in terms of the, the investment in these ICOs. Well, on the other end, you have you know the, the people like you and I, which the other end, of the, the other side of this, sort of to kind of digress here, digress. But um, a lot of people have made a lot of money with with ICOs. So someone who's invested into Ethereum in January, let's say, um, has essentially made a lot of money It's gone for whatever it is 10 bucks up to rep 300 now so there's lots of money flowing around the market that obviously they've made the call they 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 made the investment um but they it's not money maybe they thought they they've worked very hardly for hard for you know so there's a lot like that speculative money is very much um more willing to take risks because their thousand dollars is now worth hundred thousand dollars um and they can go and make more more risk so there's sort of there's there's two ends of the market there i still think there's a lot there's so there's just so many ico's going on that you know someone's going to be an ethereum killer or a bitcoin killer or it's going to be a the next generation xyz and i think it's hard for for the markets to to differentiate what's going to to what's going to win and what's not going to win um You know, so it, there's, there's a lot, I think from what we've seen, is there's a lot of different forces at play in the market um, coming from a lot of different angles. Since you're consulting these ICOs,
0: a direct question would be, do you guys take investor profiling into consideration when consulting? And the other one is, what are some of the things on the checklist that you kind of check off when consulting these ICOs? Okay, so we're going to get VC money, check. We're gonna get this kind of demographic to get interested into your ICO check. We're gonna position you this way
2: um so it's not it's not us coming up with with the idea at the end of the day so we 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 take on we take on ICOs that we believe in um, and also as a company, people have you know external interests whether it's sort of like eSports or it's high finance, whether it's hedge funds or uh, whatever it could be anything like you know asset management or whatever it is um if, if somebody has a real passion for it internally and can kind of add a lot of value then those are the ones who take on we we get probably upwards of a hundred inquiries a week so it's a it's a lot to get through and we can only really take on the ones that we feel like we can add the most most value to overall so right. the if the ones that are very abstract then then maybe not if we see okay well this is a a supply chain management blockchain ICO for a particular industry, then we see okay, great. There's a huge gap there, so we can we can really help. Um, I, I think when I whenever I speak to business owners, ICOs is like there's. I don't think you can you can throw money at the. Of course, you, it's great to have a very healthy marketing budget, let's say, or technology budget, legal budget. Um, but you, I, don't, I don't think you can throw money at the, at the problem or money at the ICO. So I, I always say that we, you really should take the position of it being as organic as possible. Right. Um, so organic being you, in, one, in one area of the technology, you have all your milestones laid out and you start hitting those milestones for the ICO. So ideally you have that MVP, Alpha, Beta, um, which, is, which is ready to go for, for the market. Um, and then you can use that afterwards to essentially drip feed into different different channels. Um, same as sort of um, bringing on like partnerships. Something that we did in IBC a lot is try to make some really strong partnerships between people that we know within our network and companies as well. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're a disrupting the insurance field, how can you partner with really prominent insurance providers or or institutions in, in, in your vertical? Um, so I think from a marketing standpoint, like a checklist, is trying to get as many organic channels locked down or mapped out from uh, from the beginning of the, of the process. So, yeah, it, it, I always like to take a look at some of the ICOs that, you, you you know, when you look at their site and you get retargeted for months upon months or weeks upon weeks, that it kind of loses its um, effectiveness, right? So you, like, there's only so many times you can go on YouTube and get retargeted on YouTube ads and get retargeted on Facebook ads. So ideally, you have this sort of perfect storm of, Really good organic partnerships, good growth on the technology side, and then also um, start having those institutional conversations or high worth family office conversations at a very early stage and sort of build that up gradually. We we were speaking to um, to someone who was having a a really hard time post ICO with their communication channel. So they they use Telegram, and there was sort of two, two sides of the coin. There was people that invested so there's about 19,000 backers they raised about 25 million and half of the backers were oh, we, we love what you do um it was it was nothing around what's going to go to the moon it's like we love what you do we can't wait until you roll your ecosystem we're, we're, we're ready to use it and the other half of the of the, the telegram channel was saying why haven't i got four or five times my money back yet and they're having a real hard time how do you sort of change that around and but what I told them was that they should really look on look at doing partnerships and start, you know, really delivering on their, their roadmap. Because if you are delivering on your your pre ICO promises, your ICO promises, then you're doing exactly or you should be doing exactly what investors expect of you.
0: Right. That's very interesting. That's very interesting that the investors are looking for that four or five hundred percent, maybe not too realistic, but they do have to deal with that. Do you guys usually get paid in ICO tokens, or do you guys pay, get paid cash? It,
2: it depends. It, it's a mix. Um, so if we do sort of ad hoc work, so some people will say, "Listen, we need some help in our PR marketing channel or our technical channel," then we'll just do it on a contract basis. If it's if we're definitely if we're more involved and more vested in, in the in the ICO success, then we'll look at yeah, we'll take a position in the company, but mostly by buy tokens. Um, so they, that's the way we like to work because it, it's a it's a win win for everyone. Right? right, we're not gonna. We're not going to charge a client fifty Bitcoin to to get up and running. It's it's really about we want to deliver on, on on our promise to to help them in their ICO. And if they win, we win as well.
0: Thank you very much for coming on this show. And you know, the whole conversation about ICOs and the way that it's gonna, you know, kinda like flow out in the future is just so interesting because it's such a new market new everything's unregulated and we got to see how everything flows out because people have money in it and it's very risky and very nerve-wracking for a lot of people and i think that you with your insights about consulting and the way a new way to look at ICOs and dealing with ICOs probably set a lot of people's
2: Worries at ease. Well, I, I hope so. I think that the, the bottom line here is that we don't want it to be over-regulated, but at the same time, we don't want people to lose all their money either. I think like, we take it for granted because a lot of people probably listen to your podcast are heavily invested in the space. They they read up constantly, um, but there are also the people that um, will will put blind faith into an investment without any research. So, I it, it's a real you know the markets very I think very divided, and I think. If anyone's if, spoken speaking to someone today and saying, you know, he's from a traditional finance background, and he was saying that, you know, my 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 hairdresser was talking about Bitcoin. So nothing wrong with it with hairdressers, but uh, <laughs> you know, bring when when a hairdresser, you, know, you you should watch out, which is which is partly true, but not completely true.
0: But either. can I can I ask this question? Isn't this an amazing point in time where the hairdresser can take more freedom with his money and start investing, opposed to say? Ninety-two tech bubble where there is really no avenue for the hairdresser to get involved.
2: I I, I completely agree. Well, that that's the whole thing about an ICO we were speaking about earlier. Is that um, like if you are a hairdresser or a bartender or whatever you are, um, it, it does give you the the option if you are really interested and you've done your research and background on the team the protocol or maybe you're a developer where you like really dug into the the code on github then um a regulator can't tell you you cannot invest um it, it allows you to basically to to trust your instincts and and invest your, your capital wisely and i think anyone um that's smart that they they won't risk more than than they're they're okay with losing i think that's uh, the sentiment so I, I completely agree in terms of allowing the, the the normal people to sort of take control of their own investments and their own finances. It's, it's, it's beautiful.
0: Pete, thank you very much for coming on the show. And I really enjoyed talking to you and um, keep in touch, man. Let us know what's going on in the ICO market. And if you find out anything is popping and cool, come
2: back on and talk. Of course. If you, if you have me back, Matthew, I'll be back anytime.
0: Right on, Pete. Thank you very much, man. We'll talk to you later. Uh, cheers. Bye, bud. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. This week was the first time that the interviewee didn't have any songs. So I reached out to one of my good friends, DJ DeVille, who's a resident DJ in Las Vegas. He was a music director in China, in Shanghai. He travels around the world, Hong Kong, Japan, Germany, and he sent us some of his newest tracks. Those tracks are New Rules, Second Track, J Balvin, Mijente, third track, DJ Snake, a different way. And DJ DeVille's link is in the description. I have something else to say. We have just launched our website. And so I'm not going to end this with crypto underscore underscore 101. Crypto underscore 101. I'm just going to say all of our socials are on our website. Go to crypto101podcast.com. That's Crypto101Podcast.com. You can find all of our social media. You can email us. You can find our profiles. You can find our episodes. You can rate us and subscribe to our podcast all on the website. Isn't this a beautiful thing? Lastly, over the course of four or five months of doing this podcast, we have grown and we have engaged a lot of people coming into the crypto space. We are fortunate and lucky to be in the position that we are in right now, but we want to still grow and we want to make sure that we can reach more people and get more people engaged into blockchain. So therefore, we started a Patreon page and we have a donation page on our website. So whichever you feel comfortable, please go to our donation page. You can see that we, you can send us Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, of course, we accept cryptocurrency, and you can go to our Patreon page and donate there. You can start with the Lambos on the Moon level. Yes, it's $3 a month for Lambos on the Moon. And you can help us build Crypto 101 to reach more people. And for the $4, Rari's on Mars level. (laughs) Actually, it makes me Google when I say it. The $4, Rari's on Mars level, you will have access to the rants and commentaries we are making the rants and commentaries exclusive for our patreon members so please go to patreon help us out help us grow and help us reach more people to get them involved with cryptocurrency thank you very much for listening and we will see you on the next episode of crypto 101 this is matthew aaron